You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We will be looking at that in, in a few moments. Our ministry theme for this year from launch till the end of uh, the summer is immeasurably more based on Ephesians 3.20. And we talked about that a number of weeks ago, um, that we just are believing God for immeasurably more of Him, immeasurably more in our lives. And, and we believe and we yearn for that, that God can do and will do immeasurably more in us, in our families, in our city, in our church. And that we would know immeasurably more and more of His power and His presence, that we would experience more fruit in our lives, the fruits of the Spirit taking control of us and, and, and being transformed more and more into the image of Christ, that we would see immeasurably more souls set ablaze for the gospel, more and more prodigals returning home. We would see people come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And, and I just love this picture on the screen that, that was made up special, especially for our ministry theme from, from a very gifted artist. And, and I just love that picture of that cup, that, that bucket that is just full to overflowing. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. And maybe that picture resonates with me because of, of some experiences I've had as a kid growing up on a farm in Saskatchewan. And, and I have a few pictures to show you here. First of all was the farm that we would spend our summers on in southern Saskatchewan. See how nice and flat it is that off in the distance that little bluff of trees is where our farm was and so in the summers through July and August and spring and fall we would spend time out there on the farm and we would stay in this lovely house um, just the next picture you'll see here this was uh, it's over a hundred years old this is where my dad and his siblings were raised and and this was the the beautiful lovely house this was actually taken a number of years ago when we would actually stay out there it looked a little bit better like we actually painted it you know but um but one of the things that it was a nice house, had a wood stove, was, was rather archaic though in some ways because there was no running water, except my dad looked at us and said, yes, I have running water. And he looked at me and he looked at my brother and he says, you guys are that running water system that we have. There was no, no washroom toilet facilities like in the house. Instead, we had this. You can kind of see it. It was taken through the trees here. Just a lovely picture. This was our outhouse and it was a two-seater. Yes, a two-seater outhouse, just in case you, you know what, just in case two of you had to go, I guess, or a little bit afraid, and oftentimes there was a little bit of fear, because one of the memories etched in my mind about this lovely outhouse was my mom uh, walking out there one day, and all of a sudden I saw this vision of my mom. I saw my mom running towards the house, and I've never seen my mom run so fast in her life. She was just booting it into the house, and, and she was just kind of scared, and, and we're like, what's going on? She's, there's a skunk, there's a skunk you know and so uh, there was oftentimes then a lot of fear when it came to using the outhouse after that and thus the two seats actually sometimes are very helpful because it's often always a little bit better to go with someone else anyways um, another aspect about these kind of things was um, how we would get our water and what we had, there was no, you know, pump or whatever system. It was a cistern that we had at the side of the house. And, and actually, if you go on to that, you'll see, if we go on to the next picture, you see those little barrels just off to the left a little bit. That was the rainwater that we would get, and we would use that for washing hands, washing dishes, and, and, and that and sponge bathing kind of thing. And so that was the rainwater we would use for that. But on the other side of the house was a cistern. 
and it was, it was made years ago, and it would go very, very deep, and, um, and so we would go out there, and there was a pail, just like this, that I would take from the house, from the kitchen that we had on a table like this, and there was another plastic pail that was, was often there, and so I'd take the two buckets out, and open up the, the, the hatch, and lower the bucket down on a leather rope. And one of the things that when that cistern was full, and especially in the hot days of summer, it was a smart thing because sometimes grass and stuff would fall in. I would kind of, you know, I'd just maneuver that rope enough to get that, that bucket as full as possible, and then it would sink down to the bottom. And I would let it sit there, and I would, you know, pretend I was like Hulk or something like that, and, and I would just take, and I would just yank that, that, that rope up and just bring it up, and it would bring that cold, refreshing water right full to the brim. True confession? There were times that I did go like this with that full bucket of water and just, and, and sometimes I did toss it aside and get another one, another bucket, you know what, because, you know what, sometimes a teenager's face could be a little dirty and, you know, what, oily, whatever it might be. And sometimes I threw it aside and sometimes I just took it inside the house. Just true confession, my family is probably grossed out if they hear that online. But I would take the bucket, fill the other plastic one up, get another full bucket of water and then take it in. Now, one of the things that, that when you fill it up in this way, plus I never really enjoyed doing it that much, I always wanted a full bucket. I wanted it as full as possible, but one of the things about when you have a full bucket, it can mean that you're going to get wet feet, right? Because you're carrying it in and you're trying to balance it and you're trying to open a door and, and you know, just put one bucket down, swing the door open and then try to get in. And, and sometimes there would be the wet spots on the floor that my mom wasn't too thrilled about, but there was oftentimes a little bit of spillage that would go on, and it's just one of the facts of life. Listen to this. I mean, this is really profound, and this is where four years of college and a lot of years of ministry have come together. Listen to this statement. You might even want to write it down. If you have a full bucket, you will get wet feet. Right? Yeah, if you have a full bucket, you will get wet feet. Like, isn't that profound? I mean, that's some really profound kind of thinking that, that I just wanted to share with you today. We could close in prayer and just say, let's get out of here. You learned something today, right? But I want to ask you today something along those lines that if you have a full bucket in your own life, I, and we all do, we have a bucket. There, there's, there's stuff that is in our life. What is it that's spilling out of us? Is it the fullness, the beauty, the grace, the mercy, the power, the love of our God that is spilling out of us when we get bumped, when kind of we, we walk on some uneven ground or we're, we're trying to just maneuver through life? I ask you, are your feet getting wet? And if so, what are they getting wet with? What is spilling out of your life? Are your feet getting wet with the fullness of God? Is it spilling out around your life, your family, your workplace, your home environment, your own mind? Is it the fullness of Christ that you are experiencing and it is spilling out because you are so full of the presence? I mean, the fullness of Christ, the immeasurable more, isn't just, it just isn't for you. It is also for those that are around us. We've been given a mission to share Christ. And it's not just sharing a message, it's sharing it through the declaration of our lives. The fullness of Christ. You see, when we receive Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we 
grow and we learn day by day, year by year, what it means to walk with Christ. And this is a process called sanctification. This immeasurably more, this walking with Christ requires that specific action gets taken, that we pour certain things into our life and that there are certain things that aren't in our lives. Today we are going to look at a few fantastic verses in Colossians 3. Dwayne read some of those verses already. We're not going to go through all the chapter. Although, as I was going through this, this, this passage this week, it's like, man, I cannot wait to preach through Colossians with you. Um, we'll, we'll set that up sometime down the road. But Colossians is just an amazing book of the Bible. But right now we're on a three-week theme. And I should just set this, this little thing up here to, to just kind of help remind you and, and just to to talk about, we're in a three-week little mini-series here on what does it mean to be an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. And here at Harvest, we just have a very simple and a very clear way of explaining what does a disciple of Jesus Christ look like? If somebody was to ask you that question, do you have an answer for them when they say, so what what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to to be a disciple? Do you have an answer for them? It's important that we do. And, and just, I mean, a wonderful, easy, simple, clear way to remember this. That, and we talked about it last week that a disciple, an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who worships Christ. Today we're going to look at it's someone who walks with Christ. Next week, Lord willing, someone who works for Christ. And today we're going to talk about the walking with Christ aspect. Walking with Christ is the centerpiece of biblical discipleship. The word walk is used throughout the New Testament to describe our spiritual journey. And there are many verses that, that speak about this, that portray our spiritual life as a walk, as a journey. Sometimes even, it's, it's even mentioned as a race. And, and that we are, are pushing towards the prize, that we're giving it our all. But the term walk is used through the book of Colossians. And, and here's, here's one in Colossians 1.9. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we are to walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. We are to walk in a way that there is fruit that is, being, that is coming out of our lives, the fruits of the Spirit, and, and, uh, and increasing in knowledge. So, so we're walking in this way in Colossians 2 verse 6. It tells us, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So there's this journey that's going on. And, and today we're not going to talk about the, the, the disciplines of the Christian life. And, and, and there are disciplines like reading your Bible and praying and, and, and church involvement and, and, and witnessing. All of those things are going to be talked about in Harvest Essentials. That is coming up um, more than likely in the month of February this past week. And, and in the coming week, just getting the final touches put together for that class. And uh, we'll be announcing that. Um, just hopefully even by next week we'll have the, the, the final um, aspects of that put together and booklets printed off. And, and we want to put as many of you as possible through Harvest Essentials. W- just, just kind of going through, again, just, just not only the three W's, but just what, does, what is Harvest all about. And, and, and just helping you, encouraging you, um, spurring you on. I mean, we just don't want to be a Sunday morning church where we come together and, hey, see you again next week. But that we do life together and, and that we're on the same page and we're growing and maturing towards godliness together with one another. And so that will be coming up in, in the weeks ahead. 
And, and there in, in Harvest Essentials, we're going to talk specifically about some of the, the spiritual disciplines and even give you some help and some encouragement, some reminders in that way, and, and just some ways that you can examine your own life and, and, and I trust be challenged in, in that time together. But today we're going to dig into some of the truths of what does it mean to, to walk with Christ from Colossians chapter 3. But first of all, just to help you understand a little bit about the background of Colossians and and the writing of this book, I want to give you just a little understanding, some background of it. First of all, just so you know, just put it in a little bit perspective, it is Paul the Apostle who is writing this book. And he's writing it from prison, and he's writing it to the church in Colossae. And this was a church that he um, cared for deeply. And he was in prison. He couldn't get to them. He couldn't go see them. But he was deeply concerned for them because of what he was hearing. Some reports were coming back to him. And he was concerned because you have something going on in that church within the body of Christ there. And this is what it's called. It was called syncretism. Syncretism was going on. You say, syncing what? What are you talking about? What is that? Syncretism is the word, and, and, and the church there was sinking themselves, not like sinking like a, you know, like the Titanic. It is sinking like when you take your, your smartphone and you connect it to your computer, and, and sometimes you can also do it wirelessly, but oftentimes you plug in a cord and you do that, and you get the computer and the smartphone speaking the same language. They're sinking together, all right? And so what was going on here in the church is that the church was kind of sink, well not kind of, they were sinking themselves, they were becoming very much like the world. In fact, if you looked at a believer there, you would say, well, what's the difference? Yes, they may go to church, and yes, they, ha- they, they talk about Jesus, but their lifestyle and, and how they're treating one another doesn't seem like, um, like Christ is making a difference in their life, and, and, and they're just there doesn't seem to be much difference in, in how they're conducting themselves. And, and they were in serious trouble. There was heresy going on. There was false teaching. There, there were, you know, hey, let's take a little bit of this religion. Let's take a little bit about this faith system. Let's all bring it together and we'll worship Jesus and we'll kind of worship some others and we'll do some other things here and there. And so immorality was also creeping into the church. And, and so this kind of thing meant that the message of the gospel was being diluted. And so Paul was calling them back, was reminding them about the supremacy, the fullness of Christ. And the difference that Christ and Christ alone makes in our lives. And you know what? This is a very real concern today in the church of Jesus Christ. When you oftentimes observe the lives of of many within the church today and that of people in the world who wouldn't profess Christ, who wouldn't go to church, you would see very, very little difference oftentimes when it comes to their views on morality. When, where God calls us to live to a different standard. People within the church can, can oftentimes today, just like back then, just kind of hold a very similar standard and view on such things as sexually... Um, sexual activity outside of marriage or the institution of marriage. Today we are seeing things like, hey, same-sex attraction and marriage, that's okay. And and you see those within the church who who share a very similar view to to those in the world. Abortion. And now even the growing growing debate that's surfacing in our world about the end of life. Who has the right to end their life. And, and you find that oftentimes now, even within the church, there's, there's a lot of, well, you know what, they have a good point there. And if that's what they want to do, that's okay. No, what does God's word call us to? What is the standard of God's word? 
What is it for us to be, to, to be in sync with, with God's word and not in sync with the things of this world? Or about the entertainment that, and viewing habits and, and downloading habits of Christians as opposed to those who don't profess faith in Christ. How we spend our money. Is it any different than how people who don't know Christ spend their money? And it's like oftentimes people, even today, it's very easy just as it was back then. You can have Christ and you have the promise of eternal life. It's kind of like a really good insurance policy in case you get into trouble. You kind of have something to fall back on. But I can have all this other stuff as well. And so it can be very possible for people to go to church, to grow up in church and not truly, fully know Christ as their personal Savior. We can know about Christ in a religious way, but don't know him in a personal way. And that is a serious, serious thing. You could call this group of people nominal Christians. And, and that word nominal basically means name. It, they're name only. And the sad thing is that, that as even this past week I was reading some, some statistics and just reading from a, a guy by the name of Ed Stetzer who's kind of a church missiologist that kind of has an understanding of the church in North America. And, and he said that nominalism has been great within the church and you have people who grew up in church or just kind of the social thing to do. But he said in, in the years ahead, the nominal group is slowly just going to kind of fade away from the church because they're going to start realizing, I don't really need the church and it's really not that important. And, and, and they're also seeing that there's kind of a difference in the way they're living their life. So they're just going to give up on church. And he said, there's actually hope within the church because those who really want to be part of the church in an authentic way are going to have a higher standard of just what they are desiring and, and a strong view of God's word. And he said, you may have a smaller church, but you're going to have a stronger church. And it's going to be a church that's going to then be on mission to, to go out and to proclaim these truths. Hopefully not as, hypocrite, as hypocrites, although no matter what, no matter how hard we try, we are always going to struggle with hypocrisy that at times our walk and our talk are not going to always measure up. And when we realize that and when we are convicted of that or someone speaks into our lives in that way, we must have humble hearts and be able to receive that in humility, not pretend it and fake it that, you know, and be defensive on things, but allow God to, to speak to us and, and to be challenged so that we can sharpen one another, encourage one another in that way. And so this nominal Christian group over the years, in the years to come, they believe, will just slowly kind of just, just walk away from the church because it, it's not doing anything for them anyways. It's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, they have Jesus, but it, they certainly don't have any peace. They have Jesus, and, 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 and it just seems like there's still a lot of junk going on in their life, and, and, and they're still struggling in so many different ways. In a, in a study that was done a few years ago by the Wall Street Journal, though, however, listen to this. It's, and, and so this is an American study, and, and so maybe these percentages would actually be higher than what they might be in Canada. And, and so just kind of take it in light of, you know, you can listen to this and think, oh, those Americans. But I really don't think we're much better than the Americans in this. And, and, and in, a, in a survey that was done by the Wall Street Journey, Journal a few years ago, it's, it it says that 65% of Christians, people who call themselves Christians, rarely or never pray with other people. 65% of people don't pray with others. 38%, so that's almost 40% 
of people who call themselves Christians, who go to church even, admit that they rarely or never pray on their own, by themselves. 65% do not attend a worship service on a weekly basis. 67% admit to not reading their Bibles on a regular basis. 50% are unsure whether or not Jesus is the only path to God. We are sinking ourselves, not with God's Word, but we are sinking ourselves with the culture that is out there. And we are to sink ourselves in the Word of God and in the fullness of Christ that is offered to us through His love and His sacrifice for us. And so people are saying, so this essentially is what people are saying, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I want to go to heaven when I die. I just don't pray. I just don't talk to him. I mean, if, if you have a friend, you're going to talk with them, right? I mean, isn't it funny though sometimes, I mean, true, true story, you can be friends with somebody on something like Facebook, and then you actually see them in public somewhere, and you don't talk to them, right? Because it's just like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. Well, you're, you're friends with them on Facebook, or it's like, I don't even know them. I, I, I met them once, and somehow we became friends. Or, you know, and, and so you see these people, and you say, yeah, they're my friend, but, but that's not a true friend. A true friend talks to their true friend. And so if Christ is our Savior, is, if Christ is, is our all, we're going to want to talk to him. And if we say, but I struggle at it. It's hard. I don't know how to do this kind of thing. Hey, there's a starting point for each. That's why Harvest Essentials, learning to walk with Christ, some of the suggestions and some of the ways that just some basic, basic prayer kind of starting points. And you say, okay, well, then I don't need to come. No, you know what? Even if you are a mature person in this way, you need to just go over these truths and be challenged and, and, and maybe even learn something new. How about that? You know, and, and so it's talking with our friend. If Jesus Christ is our Savior, if, if he's our friend, we're going to want to talk with him or it's saying, you know, yes, I love Jesus and I want to go to heaven when I die and I just love all of these things, but we don't read from his word. We have no affection towards him. We have no desire towards godliness. If our faith has not and is not changing us, if our faith hasn't changed us, there is a very good reality that our faith hasn't truly saved us. That we don't know Christ in that personal way and it's so important. And so Paul is addressing this problem going on in the church and, and how they are aligning themselves with the culture around them. And he calls them to a higher standard. And, and so in the first two chapters, he's helping them to understand the supremacy of Christ. How powerful, how mighty, how awesome, how amazing, how Christ is all in all. And so, so he just lays that out for them. And then in chapter 3, there's a little bit of a shift. And that's where we're going to look at a number of verses there. And, and some of it was already read for us here this morning. And it is on the basis of what Christ has done, with, done for us. It's the basis of the work that happened on the cross that we then live for him. And so... We read here in, in chapter 3, as, as was read this morning, that there are certain things we're going to put off. There are certain things we're going to stop doing. We're going to turn from. We're going to walk away from. And sometimes we need some help and accountability. In that. And there's other things that we're going to put on. So we're going to put off some things and we're going to put on other things. And so let me be very clear on this. I mean, this is, is a thing that has messed up people spiritually and it's Especially, especially if you've grown up in church from, from, from being a kid. 
um, or, or have just come to church and, and, you know, and, and have heard this over the years, this can really mess with people. And this is why people's faith oftentimes is boring and not effective and, and why some have and will continue to walk away from the church and just say, it's not worth it. it it's just, there's nothing there for me. There's nothing transformational. I hear these sermons and it, nothing is taken for me. So I guess it just doesn't work. And so listen to this. This is really important. There's a difference between biblical faith and religion. Religion says to us, I do these things, and because I do them, or when I do these things, God is pleased with me. And then he will give me some stuff. Then he will, you know what, then, then I'll get kind of that right feeling in my heart, and, and, and it will be good. So if I, religion says, if I do these things, God will be pleased with me. But folks, that's not it. It is by the grace of Christ that we have been saved. And it is by His grace and what He has done for us. That becomes the motivation. That becomes the reason for transformation and change. We don't change to get God's approval. The approval of God through Christ transforms how we live. Yeah. Glad we have one person with me, and I think you all are. You've got to listen to this. And obeying the law is not what gets us right standing before God. We get Jesus. And Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus, he fulfilled the law that you and I could never fulfill. I mean, you look at the Old Testament, it was just endless striving. It was sacrifices. It was cleansing. It was all of these different things. And, and it was, and, and it just, was pointless and, and, and God went to full lengths to show that we can't get to God, that we needed that mediator. We needed to, somebody to come and to fulfill the law for us and Jesus did that through being that perfect sacrifice for us. And so in chapter 3, I'm going to read the first few verses here. Just listen to this and then we're going to get to verses 15 and 17. And so verses 1 to 3 of chapter 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When we receive Christ, when we surrender our lives to Him, that is a death to ourselves, and we come alive unto Christ it still takes effort. It still takes motivation. The reason that we do certain things, that, you know, in this list that we are given of things not to do and the things that we are to do, it's not this checklist of, of trying to live this proper life. It's the motivation has changed. It's because of what Christ has done. And so in verse 5, when, when he says, make war on some things, put to death some things, he says, put to death whatever there." Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness. And these are things we're going to always be struggling with. As long as you have a pulse, and, and, and some of you may need to check even right now if you still have a pulse. Yeah, still alive. Okay, so that means you're still going to struggle with these things. And these are things we're going to have to keep putting off and we're going to have to turn away from. But then there are things that we are to, to put on. In verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness and humility and meekness and patience and, 
It goes on and it says to, to love one another, to forgive one another. And so today we're going to look at a few more of these verses that Paul calls us to. And, and he calls us how to go about living and, and how to go about living so that our lives are getting filled up. Our, our bucket of life is getting filled up with the fullness of Christ. And not the fullness of the things of this world because those things are just going to make a mess of the, the bucket inside because in the end they may look attractive and may look good, but in the end it's going to really pollute the inside of it. And so we're going to keep those things out of there and we're going to fill it up with that, just it's, it's lowering it down deep into that nice Saskatchewan cistern that I was talking about and it's going for that cold water, that refreshing water that gives life, that gives just... Uh, Vitality, I mean, gives, gives us the opportunity then to, to not only be refreshed ourselves, but, but to refresh others so that others can come and drink from the fullness of, of Christ, of, of the fruit in our lives, what he's doing. And this is his goal. This is his, his desire for us. And so today, first of all, we're going to look at walk in the, walking in the peace of Christ. And, and as we do this, so that the fullness of Christ is spilt out for his glory, we walk in the peace of Christ, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It says the peace of Christ. This just isn't any old peace. You know, what is peace? What is peace really? I mean, when, when you kind of think about it. When you've received the gospel and are growing in the understanding of it, there is a peace there's a peace that comes into your life. And you say, but how do you know this peace? And you just know it. it, it the Spirit testifies on our behalf. It, it's kind of like, yeah, I had a brother who struggled um, with his singleness for, for a lot of years. And, and he kind of had a, a number of, of, of difficult kind of relationships. And, and, and so he came and he lived with us in Alberta for a little while. And, and, and he was saying, but how do you know when you find the right one? And I just smiled and I said, you just know. And, and he said, but how do you know? I said, I, you just know it. it, it it's just right. And, and, and he's like, yeah. He says, I, I thought I kind of knew. But I said, no. I said, buddy, I said, the kind of questions and stuff that you had going into those relationships are part of it. No, that wasn't it. And, and then he found the right one. And I said, how do you know, Murray, that you have found the right one? He says, oh, I just know. You just know. And when we have experienced the peace of Christ, and we're going to talk a bit, a bit, a bit more about that to help you to, to get to that point if you're not there yet. You say, I, I don't know the peace of Christ in the way. I, I just don't know it. I'm, I'm kind of frantic and I'm wondering. And, oh, we're going to get to that. But the peace of Christ is so different. I mean, Jesus in, in John 14, 27. You can write that down. John 14, 27. Look it up later. Listen to what Jesus says. I mean, he says this and it's for us because we call ourselves, we're disciples of Jesus. He's saying this to his disciples at a horrific, terrible time in his life. And here's what he says to them. And, and I could just, uh, I'd love to, to watch this on video one day. I mean, from heaven, you know what, maybe we'll go in the video library because I can just imagine just this, this incredibly beautiful voice saying, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, it's peace. 
his peace, not the world's kind of peace. The world says, if you have enough money, if you have good relationships, if you have, you know, your children are, are, are active and healthy in this and, and all of these different things and you have good health and you have good bank accounts, that, that then you will be at peace. No, no, you, well, that might give you a little bit of peace for a little while and then something happens. And, and this is talking about having a peace even though the chaos is all around you. You can know his peace in many of you through testimony, through talking with you. I mean, through some of life's most difficult circumstances you've walked through that, that you've known this peace. Why? Because you're his child and, and he's testifying that you're his child through the peace that he's giving you in that. I'm not just talking the peace that is the absence of hostility, like, you know, if the kids are finally getting along, so, oh, I have peace. You know, or the kid's not driving me crazy. So, you know, one of those peaceful times that I always, um, growing up and, and even then as kids, and, and then, uh, well, as young kids, growing up through the years, and then even as adults, one time of the year that I just find incredibly peaceful is Christmas Eve. And oftentimes, I would find myself sneaking back into the living room, and, and everyone else was in bed, and, and I, I've still done, still have done this, and sometimes it's because I can't sleep, and so I go, and, uh, and, and there's something so peaceful just looking at the Christmas tree and just kind of and especially on Christmas Eve, where especially over the last number of years when I've been in ministry, it's like, phew, Christmas Eve is over, and it was like, awesome. Um, next year, we're, Lord willing, our plan is we're going to do something rocking Christmas Eve, or yeah, anyways, um, because that, what a, anyways, I, I, great time to present the gospel, great time to invite, anyways, and to celebrate and to worship the king. Uh, that's, that's that little advertisement, so plan next Christmas um, to get that on, but there is a peace that, that comes, but you know what? That peace doesn't last very long. When, when we think of peace sometimes, uh, maybe it's in, and maybe you've done this where you've stood on, on a mountain, maybe Knox Mountain or, or up in Kelowna Mountain, up behind us, uh, we get some pretty, pretty beautiful views if you take a, a drive or a bike ride or even a walk and you kind of look over the city. And it can be so amazing because it's quiet. And you can see boats going along on the lake or you see cars going and you see an airplane taking off and you don't hear it. And, and it's just kind of like the world is going on and it's just kind of peaceful and, and that's pretty cool. Charlotte and I, a number of times in our life, we've been privileged to go parasailing and this last time when we did it, it was, uh, we did it side by side each other. We did it at the same time and, and it was really cool. And, and, and the thing is you get up in the air and you think it would be loud because it's windy and you're moving, but just quiet. You don't even hear the boat motor. You don't hear anything. You're just up in the air and you're just looking over and you're looking at the shore and you're looking at cars and you're seeing all of this. And then they even came to one point where they slowed the boat down and they dropped us, our feet in the water, like a hundred feet away from some whales. That was a little scary. The piece was gone then, you know, for, for a few split seconds until they got us back up there. But, but when you get up there and it's just like, ah, oh, this is peace. No, it isn't because you have to get back into the real life. The peace that Christ gives us is in the midst of the chaos in life that we can know his peace. And because this kind of peace isn't just wholeness, it's also presence. It's having his presence in our lives. And this is an ongoing peace that no matter how messed up and how frustrating and how difficult life can be, we can know his peace. How does that happen? Well, it says, let the peace Rule in your heart. Let it. First of all, you have to make the decision that this is something you're going for. It's not going to just happen. God's not going to roll into your life and say, I give you my peace. It's like you have to, to open up the floodgates in order for it to come into your life. 
But it goes on to say, let the peace of God rule, or the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule is that the same as an umpire. Think of, of, of baseball. You know, guy yells, strike, you know, ball, foul, whatever he is, he's making a decision. And sometimes they, they can be wrong. Well, God is never wrong, but he's making certain declarations. Let his peace umpire your life. Let it rule amidst the conflicts and the struggles. And so, okay, so you're facing a situation. You've been treated poorly, you've been accused of something, um, you, you haven't been shown appreciation and that inner lawyer comes in and, or somebody says something to you and you say, well, that's not true. And, and that lawyer comes in and want to defend ourselves and want to lash back to them. And, and this is where we say, oh God, give me your peace. Give me your peace. Give me, God, you be the umpire in my life. God, is what they're saying or what is happening is, is it true for me to be feeling hurt or upset or angry or defensive? God, God, what does your word say on that? You rule. You tell me if, if I just need to suck this one up or, or, or if I need to maybe defend or, or go and talk to that person or if I need to just simply forgive that person. Let God's peace rule in our lives. This is resting and trusting in his peace. And notice it ends up saying in verse 15, and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. And it says this thanksgiving part at the end of our second point in verse 16. At the end of our third point in verse 17, there's this thing about thankfulness. And when our buckets are full of Christ and we're pursuing and letting his peace umpire our lives, and we let his word rule in our hearts, as we're going to get to in a few moments, there's this thankfulness that happens, and we become more and more thankful people. We as believers should be the thankfulest. Thankfulest, is that a word? It is today. We should be the thankfulest people on the face of this earth. <laughs> Think about it. Think of what he has done for us. You say, but Melvin, just, just, just throw me something here because I'm hearing this and it's preaching and you've got some excitement and some energy and passion behind it. But Melvin, my life is anything but peaceful right now. It's chaos. It's spinning. It's spinning in the middle of the night. It's spinning in the chaos of the day. There's not peace that's welling up within me. It's anger. It's frustration. It's, it's I want to get even. It's vindication. Here's something that ushers in the peace of Christ into our lives. And it can usher it in in an incredible way. A few weeks ago, just to, to give an example of, of what this kind of thing can do in our lives, I just use an example. Clarice, before Christmas, was kind of battling the flu, I guess, and, and, um, and would get very weak. And, and one day she had battled, one day seemed to be better, went to Costco with her uh, the next day, and... Uh, and over in the freezer kind of department, she's just like, Dad, I, I have to lay down. I have to lay down. And, and I'm like, oh, you're serious. Like, what are we going to do here? And so, so she, she, she laid down and uh, next to, it was kind of funny, the, the fake champagne. It, it, was, it was kind of funny that here she's, she's like literally laid right down and, and, um, and, and these bottles all around her or whatever. And I think some people were thinking, well, maybe she's had too much already or something or whatever it might be. But here she is. And and I'm like, Kate, let's just get up. Let's just get you to the car. I'll get a cart. I'll throw you in the cart. We'll take you back to the vehicle. And you're, you know what? And, and you'll be fine. And she's like, no, I can't. I, 
God, I am just so lightheaded. I, I just can't even stand up. And, and she was. She, she, she was kind of shaking in that. And I'm like, okay, we'll just wait this out. And so I went and got a few samples. True, true story I did. I mean, it didn't have to go far, but, you know, got to keep, keep something in the furnace, you know, especially if I have to carry her out or something. And, and, uh, and, and one of the workers comes and, and uh, she says, well, let's get a wheelchair. And, and, and she said, I also brought some oxygen. Let, let's get her some oxygen and just getting some, some, some good air into her. And, and, um, and so Clarice said yes to that. And, and so next thing, she said, we, we were able to get her into the wheelchair. And just, but she didn't even want to move because everything was spinning. And they put that oxygen on her. And it was like, it was like all of a sudden life. Life. And we were able to get her, the, get her to the truck. And, and it was a couple of phone calls to Costco and just complain to their managers on how awesome their staff was and 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 um, but it was just so amazing to see the work that that oxygen did it just restoring and and folks I want to I want to share with you that this is one of the deepest truths in scripture get your pen out get ready to write this down because it's the deepest truth in scripture and yet it's the hardest theology to get through your mind in fact, one of the greatest theologians of, uh, in the last hundred years, a guy by the name of Benjamin Warfield, on his deathbed was asked, he said, what is the greatest truth? What is the greatest truth that you have come across when it comes to our God and our Savior? And, and, and what's the greatest truth out there? And this was a man who wrote commentaries and, and, and theology books and, and, and other books that, that went along with, with the gospel and and he says at the end of his life, he says, what is the greatest truth? And, and folks, this greatest truth is going to usher in the, the oxygen, the hope, the, the healing that you need, that peace. And here it is. Got your pens ready? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's not loving the, the future person who doesn't screw up, who doesn't sin anymore. He loves who you are today. He's absolutely obsessed with you, caring for you, wanting the best for you. He went to the cross for you. He loves you. And resting in that truth and knowing that truth is, is the greatest truth. That is the oxygen to our soul. Just knowing that. He loves us. And yes, as a loved child, we are going to walk through difficulties. Even as a, as a little toddler that is up and active and, and is going through life, they're going to stumble, they're going to fall, they're going to get bruises and scrapes. And, and you come there as a parent and, and you pick them up. And sometimes you watch it happen and, and, and you're there though and you love them and you care. In the same way, that is our God. That is what Christ has done for us. He loves us. Knowing this believing this, walking in this truth, that is the peace of Christ that He loves you. No matter what. Not the future version. Not the cleaned up version. Not the one who doesn't cuss in his head or outside their heads. Not the person. I mean, it, it's who you are today. He loves you. But He loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He wants you to grow and be transformed. And so how do we do that? Well, we go on to the next thing. We, we are filled and, and, and the fullness of Christ comes in as we, are, as we walk in the word. 
We walk with Christ as we walk in the word more and more. The, the fullness of Christ spills out of us as we are people more and more in God's word. Verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. So how does God's word dwell with us richly? First of all, we have to make the choice. Am I going to let God's word do a work in my life? Or am I going to allow the world to, to be the governing aspect in my life? Culture out there, what culture says, what the sitcoms say is normal in relationships. Is that what it's going to be? Or is it going to be the word of God that we're going to allow to dwell in us? Well, first of all, if you're going to have God's word dwell in you, if you want the fullness of Christ through his word to spill out in your life, you need to be in the word. You need to study the word. There's no excuse for us to not be in God's Word. It's so accessible today. In all kinds of different versions and, and, and uh, study Bibles to help you understand it. There's no excuse for you not to be under solid Bible preaching. Not just the, pe the preaching and teaching that just kind of, you know, scrubs you on the back of the head and like, oh, I feel so good kind of thing. And just, it's, it's, it's got to be the whole counsel of God. The, the warning as well as the encouragement and and, and you can download the Bible. You can listen to it online. You can have podcasts, CDs of it. My dad, 78 years old, for Christmas, he and my mother got iPhones. And we just laughed when we heard it because we just thought, oh my, this is going to be quite something. My dad, seriously, Charlotte has joked a number of times, saying my dad could probably do a, a, a commercial for Apple now because, I mean, he is just this, this iPhone guy, right? And it's so cute. He's texting our kids you know, and just, hey, Clarice, how are you doing? We love you. You know, I mean, he, he's, it's opened up a line of communication that he didn't have before. He says, it's a lot better. I don't have to phone the kids at 7 in the morning when I think of something. I, I can now text them, and therefore they don't get woken up out of bed. And, you know, it's so much better in that way. But, but somebody in our family was laughing that they came, and he's walking around their house and, and, and with his phone in his hand, and he's not talking about it, but he's listening to it, and he downloaded God's Word, and he was listening to, to the Bible, and he was absorbing himself in God's Word. We can take advantage of so many opportunities to have God's Word in our lives. And, 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 and so I ask you, when you miss church, when you're not able to be here or, um, for, for various reasons, hopefully they're good reasons, uh, um, do you, how do you fuel your soul? We wouldn't dream of, of going a day without food unless we're fasting for health purposes or hopefully maybe spiritual purposes, but, but we wouldn't dream of going a day without food. How about when it comes to, to, to the bread of life, when it comes to the riches and the fullness that there is in God's word? We need to be people of the word, allowing God's word to dwell within us and teach us and correct us. And, and, and here is a declaration I would love one day for this to be a reality in our lives, all of us, and, and to keep growing in this and and, and, and I shared this with you during our core group phase days, and, and uh, I share it with you again, and if you want a copy of this, and with even the scripture verses, I can give it to you, but hold up your Bible, okay? If you have a Bible here today, I encourage you always bring your Bibles, hold it up. I'm going to read this, and, and I pray that this would become, and if, you, if your Bible's on your phone, hold up your phone right now, all right? And, and, and this is it, okay? So listen to this. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am going where it says I will go. God's word is milk for my soul. 
God's word is seed for my faith. God's word is light for my path. God's word is power for my victory. God's word is freedom for my life. When I read God's word, it brings me joy. When I study God's word, it keeps me from shame. When I memorize God's word, it purifies my heart. When I quote God's word, it defeats my enemies. When I meditate on God's word, it brings me success. When I abide in God's word, it gives me confidence. I am a Bible believer, believing follower of Christ. Amen? Amen. May that be the prayer and, 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 and the reality in our lives. Let God's word dwell within us richly. But it goes on in verse 16. It says, teaching and admonishing one another. We need others in our life to teach us. But that word admonish, that's a pretty harsh word when you look up the meaning of that. And, and admonish means um, to rebuke, to correct, to scold, to urge, to encourage. There, there's a soft aspect to it, but there's, there, it's a very strong word. And that's what it means to be part of the church, the body of Christ. We need to teach one another, but we need to admonish one another. And, and you can look at it um, in, in future months. We're not quite there yet as a church, but, but Sunday mornings is kind of like the air war. All right, this is where God's word is going out on a Sunday morning. But then throughout the course of the week, as our small groups get, get kicked in, 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 into, in, into gear, that's going to be the ground war. That's where we, we, day by day, and we walk with one another throughout the week in a relationship, in God's word, meeting once a week together to study the word. Uh, more than likely, most, most times we'll be taking the sermon that we've talked about and, and going deeper and just being able to study it together and, and to hold one another accountable. And, 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 hey, I didn't quite get or understand that part. Let's understand it. Let's, let's love together in, um, in, in a relationship here of, 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 of like-minded believers and, and grow together in that. And so um, just in... In the next little while, we're going to just roll out more of that plan. Actually, today after the service, I, I fly off to Oakville and am part of, I, I arrive there late tonight, but tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, there's an elders retreat that I will be a part of, a yearly elders retreat that they do. And then on Wednesday is kind of a day in Oakville to do various things. And part of it is to just lay out the, the, um, the final kind of game plan for our small group ministry here and, and get that rolling in, in the time to come. But there's just some teaching and training we want to do along with that. Because again, we just don't want to be about Sunday morning. Here it is, God's word. And then just, you know what, just stagger out of here and say, okay, that, that, that was quite a load of hay that I got thrown. Now I need to chew on it. Now I need to think about it. Now I need to study it. Now I need, you know what, for this to to dwell in me, to grow in me, not just kind of here at one, in, in one ear and out the other. It's, it's go deeper in these truths. And so, what's the end result of God's word dwelling within us richly? It, it talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual song, psalms. That when God's word is dwelling within us, when he's doing that work, there's music that flows out. Music is oftentimes called the window to the soul. Brian Adams was in town this past week, and I saw all kinds of pictures uh, in, in the media and, and some video and different things of this. And, and it, it's interesting, uh, one person I saw made, made a comment said, oh, I just needed that concert. Because it kind of boosted them up or whatever it was. And, and it's interesting, there at the concert, you see all these hands that are raised up, and they're not, they're not so much raised for Brian Adams, I don't think. They're, they're raised, I guess they like the music, but they're moved by it because music is the window to the soul. And, and so when our lives are, are being 
deepening in God's word and his truth is happening in our souls on the inside. We're being transformed and we're, our foundation is being impacted through his word. Worship comes out. And so we sing to one another. That's why we worship on a Sunday. Our small groups, more than likely, will have an aspect of, of, of worship to them where there'll be some time together to sing together and, and, and worship in, in other ways other than singing too. But, but what happens when God's word is, is set free in, in a person's life and their life is being transformed? Worship. And even though you might have a voice like me, uh, some of the worship people laughed a few weeks ago. It was a closing song. I didn't shut my mic off. And I was singing. They have these in-ear monitors and they were hearing me sing. And they were wondering who was dying on the uh, in-ear monitor. Yeah, it was me. You know, I, I may not have it, but, but the music still comes out of me. I may not sound great, but to him, he says, make a joyful noise. And I do. And so must you. Because when, when God's word is, when we're, when we're walking in the power of Christ in, in, in his peace and, and we walk in the word of Christ, there's power, there's presence. And actually just looking at that, that should say walk in the peace of Christ. All right, so you can even just change that uh, number one there, walk in the peace of Christ. My uh, handwriting wasn't that easy to read this week, so... Um, walk in the peace of Christ, walk in the word of Christ. And what is, and it goes on from there, and it, it says, the third one, we walk in the name of Christ. Let's walk in the name of Christ, number three. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And whatever you do, your words, your actions, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In everything we do. In the preaching. In the teaching. In our eating. In our exercising. In our driving. In our cleaning the house. In the jobs we do. In the playing that we do. The watching of television and other media sources that we do. In our speech. May we do it all in the name of Jesus Christ for His glory. I serve Him. I serve in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Meldon, not in the name of Harvest. I serve in the name of Jesus. And that is the call upon each one of our lives. This past week I was reading in Isaiah 41. And it's one of those yeah, yeah passages, Isaiah 41. And, um, and, and in this passage, it, it, it tells us... Uh, and, and, and as I read through it, and, and I've highlighted over the years a number of times in my life, because it goes on and says, you have called me. You have chosen me. And he goes on and say, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I, will, I won't throw you away. And, and he says, and, those, and, and, and if you're going through a hard time with, with some enemies in your life, I mean, this is an awesome verse because it says, those that oppose you will die. I love that. Those who attack you will come to nothing. You will be a threshing, a new threshing instru instrument with many sharp teeth. It's just like, oh, this is awesome. The victory he's going to give me over my enemies. Maybe it's that enemy of lust. Maybe it's that enemy of greed, pride. Maybe it is an actual person that the Lord desires to deliver you from, deliver me from. But it goes on to say as you read it, it's not so that you can stand up and say, I did it. It goes on and it says it's for his glory. It's in his name that we do it. In all that we do, whether we eat or we drink, we do it all to the glory of God. 
Not our glory, not, not ours, but His. The indicator that, or the sign, if you want to say, of carrying a full bucket is that your feet will get wet. And I trust that this week and over the course of the weeks and months and the years ahead that here at Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna, we're going to be about immeasurably more, more and more of the fullness of Christ as we walk with Him. So we walk with him day by day, step by step, and some days we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, and that's where we need one another. You cannot, you cannot, it's not biblical, in fact, and we'll get into this at some point as well, because this is just an amazing truth. I mean, some people tell you, well, I really don't need church. Yeah, you do. That's where it calls it to. I mean, it, it was just, in the same way, I mean, do you sit there, I mean, maybe some of you do, um, do, do you sit there in your mind and say, okay, breathe, Melvin. Breathe. Breathe. Do you do that? I mean, do you have to remind yourself to breathe? No, it just happens automatically. Well, in God's word, it's just assumed. It's just an automatic thing that if you are in Christ, you're going to be part of the body of Christ because that is the way you grow. That is the way that, that you are challenged. And, and it's not just, gathering. well, I'm just going to have a few nice little people around me that I like that I get along with. That's not going to grow your sanctification. You're going to grow your sanctification by having difficult people around you. People will drive you crazy because you know what? And, and maybe that crazy person is me. And God's going to want to work on you and your sanctification and loving and, and walking with me as your pastor as I will have walking with you because it's all about growing and growing closer to him, relying on less of me, more of him. That's what he's in for. That's what we're in for. That's, and, and as we do that, that bucket is going to spill. It's going to get our feet wet. It's going to spill over to others. It's going to be amazing. We do it today by making those choices I choose walk with him. I'm going to walk in the peace of Christ, walk in the word of Christ, walk in the name of Christ. Father in heaven, we, we just come to you right now and we just desire to make some declarations that you are our God. It all starts with worship. It all starts with what you have done for us. It's understanding the might, the holiness, as we were singing earlier about the holiness and the power of our God. Majesty. That's where worship begins, but it continues as we grow in the simple truth that Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, that's the gospel, and we never get past the gospel, we just go deeper and deeper into that. Lord, I pray for those who have the absence of peace right now, they don't sense your presence, your wholeness, that they would open their hearts up to that reality that you love them. And those words that you spoke before you died in a horrendous time in your own life, you gave us that promise of your peace, which means your presence in our life. And, and the chaos may not change anytime soon. And, and yet, on the inside, we change because it's your peace and we just know your peace. And I pray that if someone here doesn't know that today and, and desires, they would pull me aside we would talk to someone else here and just have a brother or sister pray for them. That's, that's so important that we pray for and with one another. Because life is hard and we need one another to walk with us. Through the good times to celebrate and the times to admonish and correct and to encourage. Wrap our arms around one another and just praise and thank you for the love and the way that you're working in each one of us. May we sing this song as a declaration this week in our lives and for the rest of our lives.
pray in Jesus' name.